Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. Tonight, if you want to turn in your digital Bible or your paper Bible, we're going to be in 2 Kings 7 with a really awesome story all about decisions and how your decisions determine your destiny. 2 Kings 6 sets the stage for the story. And so we're not going to read, it. actually, we are actually going to read all of 2 Kings 7 tonight. That's why we're studying she is so much scripture. But we're going to be flying, so grab a hold and hold on. We're going to be moving, but I'm not going to read you all of 2 Kings 6. I'll tell you that story just to get you set up. We're in the time of Elisha, the prophet. This is the, the heir to Elijah. And it's about 800 years, 840 some odd years before Jesus. And a guy named Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, besieged Samaria in Israel. Now you know what a siege is. A siege is when you, it's a warfare, but you don't fight. You're not trying to kill people with weapons. What you do in a siege is, uh, these biblical cities were walled. They were fortified. And so you could lose a lot of people attacking the city. And, you know, you go up there and they got archers in the city. And they just shoot bows and arrows, shoot arrows down at you. And, and just get So if you have enough guys, what you do is you surround the city and just cut them off. With no, I mean, other than just the springs that are in that city, no other fresh water. And no access to the fields, no access to food. No access to, to your animals or to your flocks. If everybody goes in the walled city, they're stuck. And then you just wait them out. You just cut them off and wait them out. And you wait long enough, and they start starving to death. And at some point, the people in the city, whether they want to or not, surrender. Because it's, I mean, you're dying. So what's happened here is that then Hadad has besieged the city of Samaria. And the Bible tells us in 2 Kings 6, the Arameans had cut off the city completely. No food, no, no produce, no, no animals, nothing. nothing coming in. So at this point, when the story starts, a donkey's head was sold for about 80 shekels of silver. That's about $310 today. And if they were that hungry, that they were down to eating the pack animals that they had in the city. And if you were to buy, and how do y'all know, there's not a lot of good eating on the head. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you don't have something, you want these parts here. You want the, you want the, the prime rib. You don't want, head, there's not a lot of meat on the head. But a donkey's head was sold for $310. And a quarter cup of dove food was sold for about 20 bucks. Now, I don't know about y'all. I've never been that hungry. I've never been hungry enough to eat dog poop. But they, they, you could buy it. And things were so bad. At the, at the very end of 2 Kings chapter 6, the Bible tells this story. And it's bad. Uh, the king is walking on the wall in this day, like at Jericho. The walled cities, they were wide. I mean, you many of them, you could drive a chariot on the top of the wall. So we're not talking about a wall. We're talking about a wall. And there were apartments. There were houses built into the wall. And so the king in the siege 
is walking on top of the wall. And this woman hollers out at the king and says, help me, help me. And the king says, what can I do to help you? I'm starving to death too. I have no food. I have nothing. And the woman says, give me justice. Me and my neighbor lady, we got into an arrangement and now she has reneged. And the king says, what are you talking about? And the woman tells him, king, we decided yesterday that we would cook her son and eat him. And so, and then today, once my son was at yesterday, we cooked her son today and eat him. So we cooked my boy yesterday, and the two of us ate him. And today she's hidden her son. And she's asking the king, force that woman to bring out her baby so we can both cook him and eat him. And the king just goes, I have had all this I can take. He rends his clothes. That's a, that's a sign of despair in Scripture. He rends his clothes, and he sends for Elisha the prophet. And he's just like, I, I have had all I can have. So this is where we start. The king, Jehoram, sends. He actually gets mad. I mean, he's, he's angry. He, you know, how many of y'all know sometimes you get in a bad situation, and when you get to your wit's end, you just lash out, whether the person that you're lashing out at is their fault or not? That's what happens here. Point number one, decision number one, seek God. Seek God. When things are this bad, the first decision you ought to make is seek God. Jehoram gets mad at the prophet Elisha, but at least he knows where to turn for help. Look at 2 Kings 7. Elisha says, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel, a single shekel. And two measures of barley, barley flour was not as valuable as wheat flour, two measures of barley flour would be sold for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Look what happens. The moment the king sends for the man of God, the moment the king asks for God's help, the moment the king sends for the prophet Elisha, Elisha says, well, here's the answer. Here, here's what you need to do. And it's not even what you need to do. Here's, God's got this thing figured out. God's got an answer. And the moment he sent for him, he said, 24 hours. And I love Elisha because Elisha puts a clock to it. Now, how many of y'all know the gift of prophecy is funny? Because if it's the gift of prophecy, it's going to be God no matter what. But a lot of folks in the Bible, if the Spirit of the Lord is really not moving through them and they, they don't quote unquote prophesy, you don't put a time frame on that if you haven't heard from the Lord. But Elisha is so confident in the word of the Lord that he said, all right, we have been living in this siege long enough to be starving to death. We've been living here long enough to resort to cannibalism. But since you asked, King, 24 hours, this time tomorrow, Siege will be over. And not only the siege will be over, but there'll be plenty, plenty, plenty of food for everybody. To the point that food is cheap. I mean, at the gate, it's going to be cheap. And I love how Elisha's just like, he knows. He knows. What's crazy, and the thing that as I was studying this, the thing the Lord spoke to me about it is, guys, what would have happened if the king had called for the prophet a week earlier? 
two weeks earlier. God answered the moment somebody asked him. God answered. God fixed the situation. The moment the king turned to the prophet, God said, here's the word of the Lord by tomorrow. How many of y'all, I just wonder, the Bible doesn't say, but I have my wonders as to what would have happened if he had turned a month earlier, six weeks earlier, and said, we need to seek God. Here's the point, guys. The moment he sought God, God gave him an answer. God helped. God took care of him. But until, until somebody asked for God's help, nobody looked for God's help. Next, second decision. The officer's unbelief. There's a guy that the king was leaning on his arm. Jehoram's not a young guy at this point. Look what the Bible says. The royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning responded to the man of God. There's your first mistake. Nobody's talking to you, dude. Keep your mouth shut. But the royal officer, when he heard the word of the Lord, tomorrow, 24 hours from now, plenty of food and cheap, cheap, cheap food for everybody. The royal officer who's standing there right by the king responded to the man of God and said, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this thing happen? Now, guys, get this. There's only three times in the Bible windows are, are, you know, of heaven are talked about. Only three, three Old Testament places for windows in heaven. One is at Noah's flood. The Bible says the windows of heaven were open and the waters just poured out. The other place that the Bible talks about windows in heaven is um, when you tithe. Prove me now herewith, says the Lord, that I will not open the windows of heaven. So this is this really is a flood game, is what it was like. But this officer says, dude, there's no way this can happen. Even if the Lord made windows in heaven, could this thing happen? And guys, here's where you get into it. The prophet said, You'll see it, but you're not going to get any of it. You will see it with your own eyes. But you will not eat any of it. And here's the point of this second decision. Ain't nobody even talking to this officer. The prophet is talking to the king. The officer's standing there. Nobody's talking to you, dude. Keep your mouth shut. But no, the officer hears the word of the Lord through the prophet and gives voice to his unbelief. He basically said, there's no way. There's no way this could happen. Even if God wanted it to happen, he can't do it. And the lesson for us here is, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't see how, we need to be careful not to slip off into unbelief. Amen. You look at the result. Elisha is very clear with this guy. Your unbelief is not in any way going to keep it from happening. But what your unbelief will do is keep you from being in the middle of it when it does happen. And guys, the same is true of anything that the Lord says. Amen? Amen. You believing or you not believing? You, you thinking it's a good idea or not? God is not, I got no, God's not waiting on my approval for anything. Amen. He's not waiting for me to sign off on it. He's not waiting for And I've heard people say, oh, I'll tell you what, God, God waits for your faith to move. Not always. 
Not all. God doesn't need my faith to do what He wants to do. You know what? When, when Jesus calmed the storm, He turned around and said, where's your faith? It didn't stop Him from calming the storm. Elisha, in this story, Elisha said, God's got this. And honestly, 24 hours, dude, you're going to see this whole thing turn around. And the guy said, well, I don't think that can happen. And Elisha said, okay. It won't happen for you. It will go on ahead and happen. But in your world, for you, you'll see it. But you're not going to get any of it. Guys, be careful. Be careful. Watch right here. Even if you don't think so, hear your pastor who loves you tell you. Keep your mouth shut. Keep you a, a let's just wait and see attitude. Don't slip off into unbelief. Say, Lord, I, I'll see how this could happen, but I'm going to believe you anyway. You said it. Here we go. Let's come on. If the guy had kept his mouth shut, he would not have missed the miracle for himself. If he's not gotten off that into unbelief. Third decision. I'm not going to die here. I'll tell you what. I don't care what's going to happen. I am not going to die here. When you have nothing to lose, then you have nothing to lose. That's a, that's a profound point, isn't it? When you got nothing to lose. Look at what happens next. Now, there were four lepers, four leprous men, sitting at the entrance of the gate. Get this. They can't come in the city because they're lepers. But they can't go outside the city because the enemy's out there and they'll kill them. So they're just hanging at the gate. I mean, they're just, they can't, they're stuck. They can't go either direction. And so here they sit, ostracized from both camps, outcasts from both camps. And the lepers, because all lepers got is other lepers. The lepers look at each other and say, why are we sitting here till we die? If we say we're going to the city, they ain't got no food there. The famine is in the city and we're going to die in the city. And if we sit here, we're going to just die here. So then come, let's go over to the camp of the enemy. Let's go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we'll live. If they, if they spare us. If they take us as a prisoner of war, we'll live. At least then somebody will give us something to eat. If they kill us, well, we're just going to die anyway. So they got up at twilight. Interesting to me, they got up at twilight. Uh, the reason they got up at twilight is in the Bible, the new day starts at twilight. Always. Ever since Genesis, the Bible says the evening and the morning were the first day. Every time God starts a day, think about it, guys. You know this. Passover. When does it start? Twilight on Friday. When does the Sabbath start? At sunset. On what we call sunset the previous day. Twilight is the beginning of the Jewish day. So at the start of a brand new day, these lepers say, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we try to go in our own city, we're going to die. If we go over there, we might die. <laughs> but if they let us live, then at least we ain't dead. And if they kill us, well, we're just the same dead. So another way, this is just one more way, guys, that the Lord is trying to tell us what he's been trying to tell us in this house for the past solid month. You have circled this mountain long enough. Every story we turn to, guys, if, God, if the word of God really is in the place, 
you'll see that if he just circles around and says the same thing and say it, he'll say it a different way. He'll say it a different way. This is one more way for the Lord to tell us when it's time to move, it's time to move. And you can you can evaluate your situation all you want. But if God is saying move, it's time to get up and move. You've circled this mountain long enough. Truth tell, if all you're doing is circling the mountain, living day to day, waiting on a slow death, then sometimes it's better to pick yourself up and say, if we live, we live. But if we sit here, we know we're going to die. Let's move forward. The fourth decision belongs to God alone. God ain't waiting on anybody's help. In fact, God doesn't need anybody's help. God actually performs this miracle without anybody. Do you understand God? Elijah doesn't even pray. I know y'all say, well, Pastor, y'all always ought to pray. As a, God wasn't waiting on Elisha's prayer. God did not hear it. Here we say this, guys. There are times God's going to take you out and just be God. Because he's God. The fourth decision, God makes this decision himself. And it's good that we see what God is saying. Because God is saying, I ain't waiting on you. I don't need your help. And I'm going to deliver you myself. When they came, when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, look, wasn't anybody left. No one there. For the Lord, now I want you to see how the Lord did this miracle. Sometimes, I, I told Rebecca this past week as we were driving home from, from general council in Ohio. I told Rebecca, I said, you know, sometimes I think the Lord, just for fun, can be whimsical. I mean, he, the way he chooses to do miracles, this is the funniest miracle to me. It's a weird miracle, and it's a strange victory. Because in this victory, well, look, well, let me just read it to you, and then we'll, I'll, we'll tell you about it. The Lord, what, how the Lord answered this, this need, he didn't answer prayer, nobody prayed. He just answered. The Lord made the army of the enemy, the army of the Arameans, he made them hear a sound. A sound of chariots, a sound of horses, a sound of a great army. But how many of y'all know there wasn't a great army? It's just sound effects. God used sound effects. And the enemy, the Arameans, said to one another, Holy Moses, Behold, the king of Israel has done hired the Egyptians. He's hired a bunch of other people. The Hittites and the Egyptians to come attack us. And so they said, feet don't fail me now. They got up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents. That, now this is the dumbest thing to me. If you had to run for your life, would you leave the horses? <laughs> how, dumb, how scared do you have to be to go, let's run. Should we take the horse? No, we just got to run. <laughs> the Bible says they got up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents. Their horses and their donkeys, indeed, they abandoned everything, just like it was, and fled for their lives. And when the four lepers got there, can't you just see this? Hello? Anybody? I mean, hello? They entered one tent. I know you are still looking over their shoulder. Ate and drank. And then I love these lepers. These guys are so funny to me. They were like, there's all this loot. There's all this stuff. So they carried out of that tent silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. 
That's our stove. We got the stove now. And we're going to hit it. Out. And they returned and entered another tent and they got more loot. And so they're just like, guys, do you understand? Well, what I think is so funny about this miracle, what I think is so cool about this miracle is God didn't want to kill anybody. He didn't, he didn't kill anybody. There was, how did God fight for the, the Israelites? He fought with sound effects. Nobody, no enemy, no Israelite was killed in this battle. This great victory. God basically, Rebecca and I said we were talking about this as we were driving back. Basically, God got around the edge of the Aramean camp and said, boom. And they all went, oh, and ran. I mean, it's the military version of boom. It was like, we just hear all these chariots and more. And it's dark. Ain't nobody got light, got firelight, but it's dark. And they're like, we got to get out of here. They made it back to their own homes. And you know what? They don't have satellite footage. They don't have drones. They don't know what. They don't know but what it really was a giant army coming after them. So they got back to their homes and they weren't even ashamed. God didn't try to shame them. He just took care of his own people. And he's like, and I know you can say, well, God should have killed them. Guys, you leave judgment and vengeance to the Lord. God, cho God chose how to fix this problem. And he fixed it without ever shooting an arrow. Fixed it without ever killing anybody. No sword. No, no big battle. And no heroes. You know who the only hero of this battle was? God. The Lord himself. So, it's, it's just another proof that God can do anything to anybody, to any situation. And hear me say this, guys. God has some big things out in front of us as individuals and as part of this awesome church. As we move forward by His Spirit, and God is not asking any of us to figure those things out. Do you understand? Elisha himself never said how God was going to do it. He just said, it's going to happen. But even Elisha, I don't know that Elisha understood all this about sound effects. Nobody was told about the sound effects until after it was all over. God just said, that's the way I did it. God's not asking us to figure him out. He's asking us to believe and obey and just walk forward. He, he's the great figure outer. We are the great obeyers and followers. Just don't get into unbelief like that officer. The fifth decision belongs to the lepers. We have to tell the good news. It's not we should. It's not we, we ought to. We have to. We have to tell the good news. And guys, this is one of the places that the Bible is more on the head than I've ever you know, This story is so right on the nose of what the Bible is trying to say to us. You don't need me to preach this. Then the lepers said to one another, Guys, we are not doing the right thing. Now, think this through for a second. These lepers have already been ostracized by everybody back at the city. They've been thrown out. They've been distanced. They've been, you can't come in here. And even if we had food, you couldn't have it. Y'all are lepers. They've been outcasts. So, you know what the, the, the little thinking human thing to do is? Well, I'll show them. I've come into all, look at all this stuff. I, I, they don't deserve me going back there and telling them. But look what the lepers say. We're not doing right. 
This is a day. This day is a day of good news. And we're keeping silent about it. Can anybody see the sermon point here without me preaching it? This is a day of good news. And we're keeping our mouth shut. We were starving. We were dying. We were outcasts. We had nothing. And God has given us everything in abundance. More than we could ever eat or use or have ourselves. We are not doing right if we keep our mouth shut. If we wait till the morning light, and I love this, if we wait till the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Guys, I'm going to tell you, there comes a day at the end of all this when we're going to stand before the Lord. Yep. And just like the parable of the talents, he's going to say, what'd you do with what I left in your hands? What'd you do with it? And I know I preached a funeral today. And I said those wonderful funeral words. Well done, good and faithful servant. But hear me say this. If you read that parable of the talents the way Jesus told it, not everybody hears well done. If you don't, if you don't do with the talent, the, the resource, what he put it in your hands for, it's not going to be well done. If we wait until morning light and keep our mouth shut, punishment's going to overtake us. So come on, let's go back and inform the king's household. So they came, and of course they can't get in. They're lepers. They, they know they're not going to get any further than the gate. So who did they tell? They told the gatekeepers. Again, here's a great sermon point for you. Free. Don't charge any more since it's not on the sheet. You're responsible to tell who you can get to. You're not responsible to tell everybody. You're responsible to tell everybody you can get to. The lepers couldn't get to the king. In fact, the lepers never talked to the king. But they talked to who they can talk to. What's the point for us? You're called to talk to the people you can get to. The people you work with. The people you, you are in PTA and band parents with. The people you hobnob with. The people you have to be around. That's who you're responsible. The lepers talk to who they can get to. The gatekeepers. And they told them, said, we got that camp of the Arameans. And behold, there wasn't anybody there. Nor a human voice. Just horses tied up and donkeys tied up. And tents full of loot. And the gatekeepers called. And the gatekeepers told it at the king's house. See, get it, guys. You're not called to tell everybody. You're called to tell the circle you can get to. And the word itself will go forward. So, I don't know how we'd be any clearer. We're not doing the right thing if we keep our mouth shut. Everybody, this is a, not a case of we ought to tell them. Because people are back there starving to death eating their children. No, there's plenty to eat for everybody. And the, the point of this, and I think this is so important, the need of the city was met hours before they knew it was met. They weren't starving. They weren't unprovided for. They had no reason to kill another child and eat him. But they didn't know it. And if the lepers had kept their mouth shut, 
Somebody else might have killed their son. See why it's not just a case of we should tell. It's why it's a case of we have to tell. It, the moment you know there's freedom, there's provision, there's abundance, we, it's, it, it's imperative that we tell it. We've got to tell it the moment we know it. Because the salvation for the Israelites happened, only they didn't know it had happened. That's why the telling is so important. It's a day of good news, and we cannot keep silent. Sixth decision is what happens with the people who hear the good news. Well, guys, again, here is a great lesson for us about what our responsibility is as good news tellers. You are not responsible for whether they believe you or not. Get it. As we read this scripture, look for it. The gatekeepers believed. The king did not. But the lepers are going, whether you believe me or not is the truth. I can't, I can't make you believe me. But whether you believe or not, what I'm telling you is the, the gospel truth. Then the king got up in the night and said to his servants, Look how suspicious this guy is. Oh, I'll tell you what the Arabians have done. They know we're hungry. So they left their camp and they're hiding out in the field. And they're saying, when these guys all come out of the city, we will capture them alive and take their city. And one of the servants, now get it, the servants believe the lepers. The king does not. One of the servants responded and said, Please, dude, we are starving to death. What if these boys are right? Please, have some men take five of the horses that remain. I love this. Because we got so few horses left because we're eating them. Five of the horses we have left, which are left in the city. And behold, they will be in any case like all the rest of us, like the multitude of Israel who are left in it. Look. And they're going to be just like us who have already perished. If they go out there and the enemy jumps up out of the field and kills them, they're just the same brand of dead that we are sitting here. We're all dead, guys. We don't do something. So send them out there and let them go see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king said, go see. What I want you to see in this scripture is, there is even once the prophet had told the king the word of the Lord. See, the king calls for the prophet. And the prophet says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be living in plenty. There's just going to be tons and tons for everybody. And the king didn't believe that. So now when the lepers show up, the king doesn't believe them either. And his only answer is, all right. Go see. Go see. The gatekeepers believed. I love how the lepers don't try. You know, there's no, there's nothing here of the lepers going, y'all, it's true. I promise you, we saw it and we had some, we had some good stuff to eat, and they had, I mean, we're not talking about eating dove, poo, and donkey head. We're talking about something good to eat with. It's all true. They you don't see the lepers begging them to believe. It was, I'm going to tell you the truth. And if you choose to believe, you choose to believe. And the king, the best you could get out of this king was, go see. Now, one more lesson here, and we'll go on to the next point. I was talking to somebody Monday night who, not a believer, 
That's just straight up. And they weren't shy about the fact that they weren't a believer. They weren't ugly about it. They weren't arrogant. They also weren't uh, uh, against Christianity. They just didn't buy it. They had a great attitude. But it's just, mm, I don't think so. I don't buy it. And you know what I did? I thought of this lesson. As I was talking to them, I said, I understand where you're coming from and that right now you don't buy it. But how about this? Come and see. Just come and see. I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm not going to try to argue you down. I'm not going to try to give you this proof and that proof. And, and I'm going to just tell you, okay, as a leper myself, I found abundance. I found provision. I found everything I need. But I understand, you don't buy it. So just like the king in this story, I'm not asking you to believe today. What I'm asking you to do is come see. Come see. And see for yourself. Because that's what changes the king's heart. That's what changes the whole scenario here. Is you can't convince people of what the Holy Spirit has to convict them of. Your job is not to convince people when the Holy Spirit has to convict them. So we just got to get on the Holy Spirit's way sometime and just say, come to church, come see. Come try, and, and you tell me. Doesn't work, doesn't work. Next, God's word fulfilled. So these five guys, I mean these, these charioteers, two chariots full, went after them to the Jordan River. And look, I love behold. Because behold just means look. And look, the whole way was full of clothes and equipment which the Arameans had thrown away as they ran. Guys, these folks were so scared, they were shucking clothes as they went. They were shucking armor and throwing off stuff as they went. They, they are so scared that they didn't just leave the horses. But the Bible says the whole way to the Jordan River, they were picking up stuff. That's good garment right there. That's armor right there. That's a good bow and out. We'll take that. That's, that's nice stuff there. That, well, that looks like somebody's food for the, for the week that they just threw because they were running scared. The whole way they picked up stuff because the Arameans were throwing it. Then the messengers returned and told the king. And the people all went out from the city and plundered the camp of the Arameans. And then get it. Then a measure of fine flour sold for a shekel. And two measures of barley sold for a shekel. Exactly in accordance with means exactly like. Exactly like the word of the Lord said it would be. Now the king appointed the royal officer whose hand he had leaned on to be in charge of the gate. Because how many of y'all know? You got a whole city full of starving people. And everybody's rushing out to just get get anything they can. And anybody here ever been someplace where they announced free stuff? <laughs> it's worse than Christmas shopping. I mean, I, I know there's women who'll kill you over a handbag, Christmas shopping, but this is free stuff. It's just go out there and get it. And so the king said, it's going to be trouble at the gate if, if we don't have somebody directing traffic. So the king puts the royal officer whose hand he leaned on. He said, you need to be in charge of the gate. But look what it says. The people trampled on him at the gate. And he died. 
just as the man of God has said he would. Because who spoke when the king came to see him? It happened just as the man of God had spoken to him, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, a measure of fine flour for a shekel, will be sold this time. And it was 24 hours, guys, at the gate of Samaria. At that time, the royal officer had responded. Look what he said. He said, next slide. There we go. Wake up. To the man of God, he said, look, even if, now, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could such a thing happen? And Elisha's told him, you'll see it, but you're not going to get to taste any of it. And it happened exactly as Elisha had told him. Everything that the enemy had taken, and I love this, guys, because not just the stuff the enemy had taken from the Israelites, but everything they'd taken from everybody else, the Israelites just walked in and took Everything that the enemy had was given back to the Israelites by the hand of the Lord. And the significant thing here is the officer who voiced his unbelief was the only person who paid for his unbelief. Everybody else enjoyed the prosperity. Everybody else enjoyed the abundance. Only person who paid for unbelief was the one who had the unbelief. And the, the lesson's really obvious. Our unbelief, our disbelief, only costs us. The Lord still did everything he said he was going to do. And it's so very true of us, guys. When God is moving, when God is speaking, when God is working for our good to do things above and beyond anything we could even ask or think. I know you hear people quote that scripture, but guys, think about that for a second. God does exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything we can ask or think. And it is so tempting in our humanity to just say, well, I don't see how that could happen. I, don't, I just don't see how that could happen. And guys, it's an important thing, especially as our church, as this fellowship of believers walks forward into the supernatural future God's got for us. I'm telling you, God's going to work miracles out in front of us to accomplish what, we, what we're supposed to be doing. I we don't make a huge deal out of it because we're not we're, we're not arrogant about stuff and oh just look how great we are. But guys, I, I talked with the guys in Africa when I was the general counsel. And without special offerings, without a big appeal, without begging you for money or having some kind of big push, we are today we sent to Africa the money to build two more churches in Africa. Two more. That brings us up to six. Troy First Assembly of God in Troy, Missouri would be doing that kind of ministry halfway around the world. But I, you sit there and go, and the day I walked in here seven years ago, it was like, well, we, you know, we, just, we don't have our sights set that high. Guys, I, I believe in God we're going to do more. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep expanding ministry. We're going we're gonna to be talking Sunday about us Taking a team of 10 people to Zambia, Africa in July of 2024. We already got it planned. We already got it on the books. We know what we're going to do. We are going to help. We're going to minister. And we're also going to be part of building a church that will outlast all of us in Zambia. 
Well, Pastor, I tell you, you're, you're not, y'all aren't a big enough church to do stuff like that. Y'all have mission trips and take a team of 10. And, and don't you know it's expensive? It's not, I know it's expensive. I also know God's got all the money he needs. If God says go, we're going to go. If God says do, we're going to do. And I, I hear me say as your pastor, somebody that loves you, some of the stuff that may be coming down the pipe for us as a church, you honestly might be tempted to look at it and just go, I don't see how that could happen. I just don't see how that could happen. And there's nothing wrong with I don't understand how it could happen. But be careful, careful, careful. You don't ever slip off into unbelief or disbelief and say that can't happen. Because that's a different animal. And when you do, the reason I'm preaching this so hard is when you slip off into disbelief or unbelief, the only person who pays for it is you. It's you. The rest of us are going to move right on into what God says. We're going to move into the abundance. And, and hear me say, guys, I, believe me, as I've been younger in ministry, there are times I've been in church and my pastor said, we're going to do this. And I just sat there at the piano and went, we are? Okay. I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen, but I, I ain't going to talk against it. I'm going to just say, Lord, let it be. Lord, if that's your will, Lord, just bring it. And I'm telling you, the reason I can have some of the faith I have now is because I've seen God do things I didn't think he could do. I've seen God do stuff that I would have told you, I don't know how that's going to happen. And so the point is, keep natural. Just believe and ask God to help you. And then, of course, the last thing, and it's just important, guys. We're all outcasts. We're all lepers. We're all doomed to die anyway. We have nothing to lose. And just like those four lepers, we've got to ask ourselves, what are we going to do? We're going to sit here and die. And then when we find the abundance, it's not what we have to tell it. It's more than a should. You have no responsibility over what the hearers do with it. You have no responsibility to convince them. But you have every responsibility to tell it. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand up. Let's have a word of prayer and we will be done for the night. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you are God in the heavens. And God, I thank you that you choose to involve us, but you don't need us in your plan. God, you choose to involve us, but you don't have to have our piece of the puzzle. You can just go ahead and, and do what you want to do. But God, you're so kind and you're so loving and you're so inclusive to let us be a part of the miracle, to let us be the beneficiary of the miracle. So, Father, help us, each and every one in this room, help us to believe you, help us to, to even when we, we don't see how, help us to trip over into faith and believe. Because, honestly, faith is when we don't see. It's when we don't see how it can happen. But then we just believe you can. <coughs> and then, God, please, build a fire under every one of us yes. to go and tell because we don't do right if we keep our mouths shut. That's right. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.